0: Okay, if you want to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, tonight we want to look again at some more of these manifestations of the Spirit given to each one. In the body of Christ, for the prophet of all, thus far we've looked at the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, which brings us to verse 10. This evening, as we talk about then to another prophecy, and then to another the discerning of spirits. So tonight we want to look at both prophecy and the discerning of spirits. And kind of like our last study together, as we talked about faith and healing and miracles, and we said that those three sort of interface well together, it seems that these two manifestations of the spirit kind of couple well together. Also, they often interface. I think it would be fair to say that discernment is often necessary to balance or judge, what we might say, and evaluate prophetic words. So I think it would be wise and probably no uh, certainly coincidence that the Bible puts these two side by side next to one another. God knows that better than anyone, that many a times these gifts need to interface and interact with one another because discernment is a helpful tool regarding prophetic words. So the first thing let's talk about together here in verse 10 is this exercise of the manifestation of the Spirit whereby prophecy, verse 10 says, may take place. Now, prophecy is basically just God speaking a message to humanity through the words of a man to a man. So, God speaking to man by one man communicating to another uh, amongst humanity. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So again, very clearly depicted there from the book of Hebrews that when God spoke in times past, it says that God many times spoke through the prophets. Again, it was God speaking, but he would speak through a human conduit, a voice to speak to humanity at many different times and in various different ways. So prophecy, again, is speaking forth on God's behalf it's conveying God's message, uh, declaring verbally you could say what God once said, and declaring verbally what God once communicated. I love Second Samuel twenty three verse two. Listen to what David declared. These words are beautiful. Second Samuel twenty three two. David said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. I love the way that David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, someone who certainly had a prophetic element to his life, to his calling, even to his ministry, uh, used by God to write scripture, even prophetically, but that David would declare that the spirit of the Lord Spoke by me. Man, that, may that be the aspiration of all of us as Christians who are uh, filled with the Spirit of God and are uh, certainly viable conduits for God to speak through each and every one of our lives. As we'll talk about, that the Spirit of the Lord would speak by us and His Word would be on our tongues as we speak to one another. Again, prophecy we might say is in essence divinely Inspired speech. That's the idea of what David was saying there that his speech was not necessarily human inspired, but he was indicating that his speech was being divinely inspired at times as he spoke prophetically on God's behalf. So when someone speaks in prophecy, they are speaking words under the influence or the direction of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is directing what words they say. The Holy Spirit is giving them the words to use. Listen to how Peter describes prophecy, 2 Peter 1.21 There, Peter says, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that term there, when Peter says that men were being moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke prophetically, Uh, that word literally the idea there to be moved by the holy spirit is like wind filling the sails of a ship so if you would picture a a, a ship with sails and as the wind blows into the sails it it gives the power and it also provides the direction in which the ship is going to go is that wind fills the sails that's the idea there of being moved by the holy spirit to be able to speak on god's behalf now when when paul speaks here verse 10 to another prophecy regarding the manifestations of the spirit here i don't necessarily believe per se that paul here in this particular passage is talking about the office of being a prophet as we see certainly in the old testament scriptures there were those that were old testament prophets and they held the office of of prophet in the old testament in the new testament we do see the same thing some who had the office of a prophet they had somewhat that title even attached to their name when the new testament refers to them ephesians 4 it speaks of the gifted men that god would give to the church as gifts to the church he speaks of evangelists apostles pastor, teachers, prophets. So the Bible there does seem to speak of an office, a prophetic office. But I think rather here what's being described in the 12th chapter of Corinthians here is more per se the operation of the spirit at times working at specific occasions by his anointing through the lives of God's children. So it might be fair to say that the operation of a prophetic gift or the operation of prophecy through our lives as Christians, and then the prophetic office, or having an office that's a prophetic office by God's ordination, uh, those two things can be separate and distinct. Uh, Point being, not every Christian is gonna hold the office of a prophet. Paul says later down in this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12, are all teachers, Are all prophets? The implied answer is no. Not all hold certain offices and spiritual callings. However, that being said, all of us as Christians can be open to prophesy on the Lord's behalf at times. That We can all be yielded to and open to the spirit using us in this way at times to speak forth a word from God as his instrument and as his vessel to communicate to others. In fact, Paul's going to say in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians that we should desire the idea there in the Greek is to earnestly long for, he says, spiritual gifts. And then he adds with that, but especially that you may prophesy. So, the Bible encourages us, pursue love. That should be our highest motivation. Before we ever desire spiritual gifts, first, we should want to pursue love. Because love is the proper basis for the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. If we're pursuing looking spiritual, or wanting glory for ourselves, or you know, exercising control over... Some, if we have any other motivation, our heart is not right, but if we're pursuing love which wants to see the benefit and the profit of others as these gifts are supposed to be, then the Bible says, if you have love at the root of your heart, then desire spiritual gifts. Yearn for them, literally long for God to bring them to pass through your life. And it's interesting after he says that, he says, and especially, in other words, the one that you should aspire towards the most, the Bible's saying, is to prophesy is to speak on God's behalf into the lives of God's people and others around you as well. And I think oftentimes, personally, that believers exercise the gift of prophecy completely unconscious of the fact that they're even doing it. I think a lot of times as we're just interacting with each other in normal speech and communication... You know, talking to one another after a church service or corresponding with each other in times of Christian fellowship or maybe even times when you're in your workplace or even in your household speaking to one another as family or, you know, dialoguing with fellow co-workers. I think a lot of times Christians, as we're just walking in the spirit, are being used by God to speak forth on occasion a prophetic word and we are completely unaware ourselves that we're actually doing such, because it doesn't always necessarily have to be this stereotypical idea in our mind of a "thus saith the Lord" or God's giving me a word for you, or the Holy Spirit, what you know, or my little children, or you know, it doesn't have to per se be like that. As much as just it is God putting an impression a word upon your heart for you to speak forth and the holy spirit is using you in that moment as a conduit i think a lot of times without our awareness it's happening and as i said before the supernatural happens in just a very natural way and quite honestly i think that's when this gift is the most beautiful because then there's no glory attached to it there's no many times a distortion of it because you know we're thinking oh here it comes I sent something this is from the Lord and then sometimes we almost distort the whole thing by drawing attention to ourselves instead of just speaking with conviction on behalf of of what's in our heart and just trusting that yeah maybe God's given me a timely word to speak into this person's life and and just letting it play itself out how God would want to use it Joel 2.28 says this listen because I think it's important Joel 2.28 said prophetically it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So take note of two things in relation to even that prophecy regarding the last days that God would pour out his spirit. And as a result, he said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, which tells me two things. Number one, that prophecy is for today. It's something for these last days. In fact, I want to say, I think it's even more critical in these last days, in these dark times, as the church becomes more apostate, as wickedness waxes worse and worse, that there needs to be at times... Clear, powerful, distinctive occasions when the Spirit of God is speaking forth to the church and to Christians and to people in the word when there are timely words coming forth from the throne of God. I think it's all the more critical for these last days. So prophecy is something for today. And secondarily, we see from that verse, even specifically, that prophecy is not gender specific. Nor is it age specific. He says your sons and daughters may prophesy. So again, it's not just the fathers and the mothers. It's not those who are more mature in the things of the Lord. He says your sons and your daughters, the youth, the young people. That's an encouragement to me. I pray, God, pour out your spirit that young people who aren't so maybe so concerned about their image or impressing others, but are, are just many times very raw and just real, would just speak forth genuinely what is true and what is right. Because maybe they're not as concerned or apprehensive as those who, as we age and get more mature, we worry, well, if I say that, then well, what's the outcome going to be? That, that they would just speak forth. So it's not age-specific. And it's not gender specific. In other words, women can be used to prophesy and speak on God's behalf in the same way that men can. When we look throughout the Old and New Testament, we see women speaking prophetically. We see Miriam and Huldah in the Old Testament who were prophetesses. We see Anna. One of my favorite passages is something I've prayed fervently for all three of my daughters from the day that they were born. Is It says in the book of Acts that Philip had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And from the day that God began to give me daughters, I've prayed specifically, Lord, that's what I want. I want them to be morally pure and I want them to be spiritually effective. He had virgin daughters who prophesied. And Lord, I I pray, give me daughters that are morally pure and spiritually effective who will know your word and know you and speak forth on your behalf into people's lives and in their generation and one day to their husbands who then may be used of God to do other things as well. So again, anyone can receive and speak for the prophetic word and we need to be open to speak on the Lord's behalf if and when he wants to use us. Again, for love's sake... The purpose being to profit and help other people, not to, again, advertise or perceive ourself or others that look at us as more spiritual. We want to glorify the Lord, but be useful to speak on his behalf. If you're, again, a definition person, this is what I wrote down in regards to this exercise of this manifestation of prophecy when it's happening. Uh, I jotted down here. It's a momentary ability and enabling from the Holy Spirit to function as a vocal representative in order to speak forth a word or message from God to people. Let me read that again. A momentary ability or enabling from the Holy Spirit to function as a vocal representative in order to speak forth a word or message from God to people. In a sense, if we could illustrate it this way, it's like we become a a temporary human megaphone that God uses to amplify clearly and directly what he wants to say to someone on earth. Again, if you you know, see those things like a bullhorn or something, you know people pick up a bullhorn and they speak through the bullhorn. And all the bullhorn does is what? Is it amplifies and it makes it very clear because of the amplification what's being said by the person on the side. I think prophecy is kind of like God saying, mm, "Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of need a a bullhorn. You know, I I, I kind of need a bullhorn, so I'm going to utilize." This person, I'm going to utilize this gal, I'm going to utilize that man, and I'm going to utilize them as my bullhorn to amplify clearly and directly what I want to say to someone because I want them to hear what I have to say. So God uses us to speak on his behalf. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word prophecy, if you're anything like me, especially when I became a Christian early on, and people who maybe aren't even familiar with Christianity or the Bible, we hear prophecy and we just think automatically predictive. Or foretelling the future as if prophecy is basically kind of just like, it's like fortune telling someone who can be a fortune teller and predict future events. And indeed, listen, that is one aspect of prophecy that is one element of prophetic speech that that at times prophecy may be predictive it foretells future events to come that makes sense doesn't it the reason is because god knows the future Uh, the bible says that he is the beginning and the end it doesn't say that he knows the beginning and end that's how we usually quote the verse hey god knows the beginning and god knows the end no reread that the bible says i am the beginning and i am the end in other words god says i span it all I created it, I'll culminate it, and so God, therefore, from his perspective, certainly, he knows past, present, and future at the same time. So for God to presently say something today that's going to happen a year from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, like Isaiah, 700 years from now, that's just as easy as us saying something in the present moment that's taking place that we can see with our eyes right now in front of us as me saying, hey, that door is shut. Uh, I can see it presently shut. Well, uh, God can look into the future six years and say, this door will be shut because he already knows the future and therefore he can speak it in the present tense and foretell future events. But again, that's one element of prophetic speech. Prophecy is just speaking forth a word from God. It may be future and predictive, But at times it may just be a timely word that God wants to share. Sometimes speaking a prophetic word, maybe perhaps speaking God's word into someone's life that God wants to encourage someone who's weary. Maybe it's a word in the season and God sees somebody and they're just very weary and discouraged. And, and so God wants to say something to them in their weariness, in their discouragement, in their hurt and heartache. And God wants us to speak a word in the season they're in to help them on their behalf that they would hear from the Lord. And maybe they need encouragement or guidance or insight. Sometimes prophecy is just sort of speaking a spiritual truth or a promise from God. Maybe somebody uh, is about to experience something from God in their future and they don't know it's coming on the horizon or or they wouldn't even imagine that God was going to do something. Maybe it's to ultimately give them a child after infertility or to finally bring a Christian spouse into their life or uh, maybe to fulfill some dream that they wouldn't even imagine. And, And sometimes, again, God may speak Prophetically through someone to give a promise to someone prophetically of what he's going to do that a person may hang on to that prophetic promise or hang on to that uh, promise of the Lord so that they then prepare themselves and move accordingly towards it with a sense of confirmation of what God is doing. Turn with me from 1 Corinthians 12 over to chapter 14. Should be maybe just a page or two to your right there because here in 1 Corinthians 14 we'll just look at a couple verses we have the biblical purpose or you could say the biblical description of new testament prophecy here's how the bible describes what new testament prophecy is it's very clearly spelled out for us let's read verses one through four and then we'll talk about them a little bit he says pursue love we just talked about this and desire spiritual gifts but especially above all that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue We'll talk about that next week, speaking in tongues. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. It's not a message that they're speaking to men, but they're actually speaking directly to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse three, the distinction, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself it's a self-edifying gift for the soul but he who prophesies edifies helps and builds up notice the church so we see this distinction made here it gives us instruction regarding what tongues is and is not we'll talk about it next time but it also tells us what prophecy is particularly notice in verse 3 i mean you couldn't get a more specific definition God says when someone prophesies here's what's happening they're speaking edification which means to build up exhortation or comfort to men so we might say if you want to categorize that in kind of three different categories there that a new testament spirit inspired prophecy does three things it will build up people It will, you could say, stir up or stimulate people or it will cheer up and comfort people. So he says he who speaks prophecy speaks edification. Again, the idea is they're going to be building someone up. That means to strengthen someone. So when a prophetic word comes forth from God through an individual into someone else's life or to the church as a whole, however it may be. That word is going to do one of three things. One of the things it may do is it may build someone up. It's going to strengthen them somehow spiritually. They're going to be uplifted and built up by what they hear God saying to them. Now, that's wonderful because would you agree we live in a world today that people typically are always what? Tearing each other down. (laughs) typically people are always using their mouths to tear one another down and to discourage people and to criticize people and to condemn people. How wonderful that God says, you know, no, when I speak to people, I don't want to condemn people. I don't want to tear people down. I want to build people up. People are always typically, you know, drained and depleted. And so I want to build people up. I want to build people up spiritually by the things that I would speak into their lives. So again, If somebody speaks supposedly on behalf of the Lord, the end result of their word should be building someone up, not tearing someone down. This is why I don't put much stock in very negative condemning type prophecies. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So if it's in keeping with the Spirit of Christ, I don't necessarily see that a New Testament, and here are my terms, is per se a New Testament prophecy of the Spirit going to tear people down because the Bible says it's going to build people up. It's going to be an edifying word from the Lord. Secondly, he says that prophecy at times, if it's not building someone up, sometimes it brings forth exhortation. Again, as I said there, you could say that's a way to say to stir someone up. The idea is to stimulate someone into action. Maybe they're complacent. Maybe they're uh, not acting upon what they know they should do. Maybe they're being disobedient even. And I think here, if somebody's being disobedient, an exhortation challenges them to be stirred up to do the right thing, whether to act upon what they know they should and they're just not because of fear or doubt or laziness, or whether they're just not doing the right thing because in disobedience they're holding back from stepping out and obeying the Lord in some area for their life. So sometimes when a prophecy comes forth, it exhorts people. And the difference between exhortation and instruction is the gift of teaching gives Education and instruction, okay, this is what the word of God says. Prophecy and exhortation says, now you need to do it. You need to act upon that now. And a prophecy would cause someone to be exhorted and stirred up to step forward into something that's God's will for their life. A third element of prophecy we read here is to comfort. So again, to, to cheer somebody up. Again, I think it's so critical. People are hurting. We live in a hurting world. Hey, can I challenge you, if you've never sat in one of our prayer meetings one time, even as a church here, sit in one of our prayer meetings and listen and realize there's a lot of hurting people. Whether it's people praying about their own hurts and struggles in their life, or their family, or their children, or their marriage, or their co-workers, there's a lot of hurting people. There's a great need for comfort and consolation in this life. And so sometimes God wants to speak a word of comfort to people, to cheer them up and to comfort them that God is aware that God's gonna work and and maybe they're just very discouraged in their souls and a prophetic word at times can bring great encouragement to someone who needs the comfort of the Lord because they're just very weary and discouraged in their soul regarding something. So again, this is what should be evidenced when a spirit-led prophecy is coming forth and this gift is in operation and being exercised, the end result should accomplish one of those three things. Edification, someone is being built up. Exhortation, somebody's being stirred to action. Or someone is being comforted through what is being said. Now, let me also say this in relation to prophecy and a distinction that prophecy is not per se the same thing as teaching. Uh, the Bible speaks in Romans 12 of, of a gift of teaching, a spiritual gift, and a prophecy is not going to necessarily be a long and extended message of instruction. As, for example, a prepared Bible study or a prepared and pray through and put together sermon that God uses in the preparation as a spirit gives it to a servant who has that gifting and then anoints it as it goes forth to help provide instruction and explanation. A prophecy is not going to be this long extended message like a prepared uh, thing that God gave to someone to deliver and to share with people. That's teaching in a sense. Uh, Rather, it's going to be a more short and direct word from the Lord, a timely message, maybe something of a sentence or a few sentences, just an announcement in a sense rather than an instruction an announcement from the Lord that he wants to speak into someone alive. Now, I do believe, however, that during the course of a person teaching the Bible or preaching or evangelism and these different operations, I do believe in the midst of preaching and teaching that there can be a prophetic exercising of the gift of the Spirit that goes forth. At times, there may be a prophetic word That God gives or prophetic words that God gives to edify, to exhort and to comfort in the midst of a teaching that per se wasn't prepared in advance, but just God in the midst of it brings a thought to mind, puts an impression on the heart of someone communicating and there's a prophetic element and a prophetic gift is exercised in the midst of teaching now. A few places you see prophecy being exercised in the New Testament, uh, again, we won't look at them all for sake of time, but for example, Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 21, there's a man named Agabus, and on two different occasions, he speaks prophetically into Paul's life to give instruction regarding Paul and his ministry. Many of us are familiar with Acts chapter 13. Uh, There in Acts chapter 13, many of us know the story. It's where it says in the church of Antioch, they're assembled together and they're praying. And there were a group of, it says, prophets and teachers among them. And as they're praying and waiting on the Lord, it says that the Holy Spirit speaks forth and says, Separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them to. Now question, how did the Holy Spirit say that? I believe it was through the exercising of the gift of prophecy that as they were praying, God gave a prophetic word to someone in the midst of that prayer meeting who then spoke forth that prophetic word on behalf of God as the Holy Spirit gave to them. It was a word to provide instruction and to stir up Saul and Barnabas to embrace the calling of God to go forth as missionaries in the early church. In Acts chapter 27, you see Paul, and this is a lengthy chapter, but I encourage you maybe just to read through it. And there, as Paul is in the midst of a horrible storm with a group of crew members, on multiple occasions, Paul, I believe, is moved by God in just very common conversation to speak prophetically on behalf of the Lord words that, comforted those on board in the midst of that horrible storm to assure them that God was with them and even at times to stir them to action regarding what they should do and what they shouldn't do. So before we move on to the discerning of spirits, let's break this down to kind of practicality here. How does prophecy operate In our everyday lives, I can tell you from my personal experience and my observation of others, I think a lot of times the way this happens is it originates with sort of just a very strong impression from the Lord coming upon your heart and your mind. And there's a rather strong impression or a thought that comes to your heart or mind. Maybe it's in prayer time. As you're praying and in the midst of a prayer meeting or praying privately, just a heavy impression comes upon your heart and mind, a thought from the Lord that there is something you feel in a very strong way that you're almost compelled that you need to share, that you need to say. There's almost an inward compelling, this thought, this impression is so strong, there's just a sense, I really sense that God wants me to share this. I really sense that God wants me to say something and I think this is many times how this prophetic uh, operation takes place or maybe again listening during a conversation or you're speaking to someone and counseling with them and, and there's just the a real strong sense within and, and inward prompting that God wants you to say something to someone and there's just the a really strong impression that you're to communicate to that or, or maybe you just see someone or know someone that's going through something And the still small voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just prompts you within. You feel very impressed by God that you're supposed to go share something with them. And you just sense that the Lord is putting something into your mind that he wants you to go say to them, maybe to give them a word of encouragement. To, to tell them that, that, hey, the Lord is going to do this in your life, and, and maybe it's a promise from the Lord that He wants you to share with them or to comfort them. God wants you to know He's aware of what you're going through, and, and there's just a sense as you see someone or interacting that He wants you to do that. And when this gift operates, a person is going to have a supernatural enabling to hear from the Lord and then to speak on behalf of the Lord a direct word for a specific person. Or maybe a specific situation that's at hand. Now, in relation to prophecy, I would encourage you to familiarize yourself with the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 14. Because 1 Corinthians 14 deals a lot with scriptural, I use the word, it sounds strong, but scriptural rules that govern the operations of the Holy Spirit in the areas of prophecy and tongues and the gifts of the Spirit and how it governs scripturally how they're to be operated in the midst of public meetings. So it's a very important chapter. One of the main rules you get regarding prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, is when a prophet speaks, it says, let others judge or evaluate. Again, we are... In, in a sense instructed by God that when someone speaks a word that we are to evaluate that we are to use discretion and think through it so that is this next gift as it comes into play as I said it interfaces the next gift described here in our list in 1st Corinthians 12 to another we read the discerning of spirits the discerning of spirits as I said earlier discernment is necessary to balance or judge prophetic words to keep them in check to properly verify the true source of supposed prophetic words at times or utterances that people give that are supposed to be from God or on God's behalf. First John four says, beloved do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So God tells us in advance, listen, listen, there are going to be the presence of many false prophets. That's a promise in Scripture. It's not something that's probably in Bible promise books, but that's a promise in Scripture. There will be false prophets in the world coexisting with true prophets and true ministers and servants of the Lord. So he says, because of that, beloved, don't just gullibly, naively believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit, he says, but test the spirits, whether they're of God, whether they come from God, First Thessalonians five nineteen to twenty one. Listen to what Paul says there. He says, "Do not quench the spirit." That's important, and do not despise prophecies. That is devalue them. Now I'm not into this whole prophecy thing. That's a little too hokey. That's that's a little too risky. We gotta just shut that down. We have the Bible. That is good enough, man. We have the prophetic word confirmed. That's all we need. We have the Bible, and some in a cessationist fearful attitude to an extreme take that approach whether it's towards prophecy or any of the manifestations of the spirit they're so intimidated they close down everything and they despise and want nothing to do with that they don't even want to be open to the fact that god could speak a prophetic word in a meeting among his people through one of his servants he says look don't despise prophecies he says in balance but test all things and hold fast to what is good Listen, why are we so concerned if we genuinely have love at the core of our hearts as Christians? If we're pursuing love, that's our foremost goal. And and out of love, we want to profit one another. We want to help one another. We want to minister to one another, not glorify ourselves or look spiritual. But we genuinely want to help one another. Why would we not want to help one another? Which then therefore means, if I speak what I feel is something from the Lord, if it's not from the Lord, hey, Nothing personal, no shame of face. If it's not from the Lord, wouldn't be the first time I was off base. Wouldn't be the first time, I, but, but I don't want to just cast out the baby with the bathwater, if you understand what I'm saying. And limit, just the Bible just says, no, you just, just use discretion. You just use discernment. You, you God's given this way whereby even apart from this gift or manifestation operating, let's be very generic, all believers can and should, should we not have a general sense of discernment. I mean, we all have at least two things that are very valuable. We all have the word of God, which is inspired by the spirit. So no prophecy is ever going to contradict what the spirit of God already wrote, because God's not you know, schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. God's not going to you know, you know, have well, this way, this time. No, God's consistent. He's God. He doesn't change. So what his spirit has inspired in his word is always going to be consistent. It's always going to be something that can be measured off the word of God. We have a copy of the scripture and Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of truth that dwells inside of us. So every Christian has the spirit of truth, which helps us then discern error and what is right versus what's wrong, what is safe versus dangerous, genuine versus ungenuine and we have the word of god those are a great litmus test right there but then on top of that there is in a secondary sense this operation at times when there is this discerning of spirits that the holy spirit manifests and operates through the lives of christians In given situations when it is essential for the purpose of profiting and helping the body of Christ. Interesting, the term Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 12 where he talks about the discerning of spirits. When you look at the term Paul used there in the original language, the the discerning of spirits, it's a term that means to separate something in order to examine it. That's that's the term there for discerning. To separate something in order to examine it so you can then distinguish and make a decision. So it's kind of like when you're trying to sort things out and and you're doing your pros and cons thing, you're trying to make your separate list so you, you separate and break things out in order to then examine and look at it separately to make a decision. This is the term the Bible uses for the discerning of spirits where we're separating things to examine them in in not a critical judgmental way, but in a wise, prudent sense of stewardship to examine something to make a proper decision or to distinguish it to tell one thing from the other. Here's why this is important, because in this world, there are at least, for sure, three types of spirits that exist. There is the human spirit of natural man, there's the human spirit of man. Then, of course, there are evil and demonic spirits, the devil and demons, unclean demonic spirits that exist in the world. And then there is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, the difficulty I found in my life, and maybe you would assent and agree to the same, is sometimes it's hard to distinguish between those three things. This is where the challenge comes to play. Lord, is this. Of your Holy Spirit? Or, or, or is this just from my human spirit? Is this just my humanity? Having these thoughts or these ideas. Or d- Lord is this you or is this me? That's that challenge there. We're trying to distinguish between our human spirit. And the Holy Spirit. Sometimes as well. Even more dangerous. is At times it's hard to distinguish between. What is of a demonic evil spirit. And what is of maybe. God's Holy Spirit. And sometimes there's a difficulty distinguishing those things. So, again, if we were to define the discerning of spirits, I jotted this down here. It's a supernatural ability to understand, to judge, to see or know the spirit which is behind the spiritual activity or behavior or speech of someone. So it's a supernatural ability to understand, judge and. See and know the spirit that is behind a spiritual activity or behavior or speech. Let me say in relation to the discerning of spirits also what this gift is not. And please hear me in this. This is not just a person who has a very critical attitude. This is not just a person whereby, let's say, you always have the tendency to just judge everyone and you read into everything. And and you almost have a sense in self-righteousness and spiritual superiority and maybe even just in your temperament a little bit where you tend to question everything, everyone, and maybe it's because of experiences you've had that were bad in the past that have made you a little kind of uneasy or maybe it's just your natural temperament and personality or whatever it may be. This is not a reference to someone who becomes in a sense a self-appointed spiritual detective. And so, therefore, they think kind of that's my job. I'm God's spiritual detective on the earth and in the church. And, And thereby what happens is people like that become extremely suspicious and they're just very suspicious people. That's not this gift of the discerning of spirits. That's called a critical spirit. That's called a suspicious attitude that many times can cause a person to always have mistrust or skepticism. You know, I, you know, I don't know, I discern this about him. And, and I've met Christians like this. You know, it's always, I don't know, I, I discern this about her. And every new person or new ministry, or new, I don't know, I just, I sense there's, a, a, there, sometimes that can get a little out of proportion and unhealthy. Again, can I remind us, the Bible says, in balance, First Corinthians 13, right after this chapter, that love believes all things. Love hopes all things. So love should be willing to believe all things. If God needs to show us different, he'll show us different. But love shouldn't be suspicious, skeptical, critical, always trying to read into things. However, that being said, there are indeed times when there are genuine dangers and snares among us in spiritual matters, influences that can deceive us. Things that can misguide us if we submit to them and embrace them. So the Bible warns us continually and repeatedly to guard against them. Again, 1 Timothy 4, one says, The Spirit expressly says, In the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed, listen to what he says, to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's strong. Deceiving spirits and doctrines that actually are finding their origin in a demonic realm that's so critical to remember so the discerning of spirits is that present enablement from the spirit at times to sense and to discern as the spirit of truth gives us the enablement in that moment what is from God and what is not from God whether that be doctrine or what someone's saying what someone is doing and often I found when this happens you may not even be able to put your finger on it you may not even be able to to necessarily recognize exactly what seems to be off but when the discerning of spirits is happening there's just a strong apprehension in your heart that you just feel uneasy about it you just feel unsettled and maybe uncomfortable and there's an inner awareness in a very strong way something's amiss here i don't even know what it is but i just something's not right Something's amiss, whether it's in a person's life or in something that has been said as a representation of being a message from God. If I can illustrate it, you know, we have automobiles. There's like an inward uh, strong sense and the check engine light on the inside of your heart is blinking. Now, when the check engine light comes on in my automobiles more often than I wish, I don't always know why the check engine light's on but what I do know is when the check engine light is on, it means what? Something's wrong. Something's not right. It needs to be... And there's a problem. That's what the check... And we use this term in Christianity. Don't we say, I just... I kind of have a check in my spirit about that. I have a check in my spirit about him or a check in my spirit about her or I just have a strong uneasiness about what was said there. I just... I don't know about that. I may not be able to... Pinpoint exactly what it is, but this is the discerning of spirits, just an uneasiness with something going on. Again, we see biblical examples of this in the scripture. In Acts chapter 5, remember when we looked at this passage a few weeks back where Peter is meeting Ananias and Sapphira and they're coming with their supposed offering there and they're being deceptive about what they're doing in hypocrisy. And Peter in Acts five, three says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Again, Peter realized the source and the origin of their thoughts. Let me give you a few other scriptural references where you can see this in operation. Acts 8, verse 14 to 24. Acts 13, verses 6 to 11. And turn with me quickly, if you would, to Acts 16. Let's just at least look at one of them together here. Acts chapter 16 we see this gift in operation in the early church and through the life of the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 16 describes a time when Paul had planted a church in Philippi and he was ministering there. And look at Acts 16, verse 16. It says, Now it happened as we went to prayer, Paul says, or Luke's describing what happened, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much money profit by her fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That's pretty accurate, isn't it? And this she did for many days. And Paul, imagine this, that the Holy Spirit could make this happen greatly annoyed. Boy, I feel so much better. (laughs) Is it possible the Spirit of God can make you become greatly annoyed? Apparently so. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit he knew was inside of her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her, and he came out of her that very hour, but when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him to the marketplace and the authorities, and once again, Paul's ministry kept its current pace. But again, look at this happening here. How did Paul know that the spirit that was speaking through this girl wasn't of God? Can I draw your attention again to verse 17? Was she saying anything wrong or inaccurate? Look what she says. These men are servants of the Most High God. That was accurate. They proclaimed to us the way of salvation. That's pretty good endorsement of gospel preachers. But Paul, because of the discerning of spirits, recognized this is not from God. This is not from God. And he realized this has a satanic origin. And from Paul's perspective, here's what his mentality was. This is of satanic origin. It doesn't matter how right what she is saying or how right it seems. God doesn't need Satan's advertisement. And he doesn't want Satan's advertisement. So Paul shuts down the thing and calls her out. And the only way he could know that is through the discerning of spirits operating in his life Now when this gift of the discerning of spirits operates in your life, it's going to be difficult because others may not necessarily see it, may not know it. I'm sure there are people who thought, Paul, how rude. Here's this little girl. She's, I mean, usually, Paul, you're getting stoned and kicked out of towns. This girl's walking around saying you're serving the most high God. You're proclaiming the way of salvation. How could you say something so critical to her? And see, when this gift operates in lives at times, it's evident to you because the discerning of spirits is happening in your life, but others may not see the same thing. They don't sense the same thing because maybe the spirit of God is not showing it to them. So it can be easily perceived if you operate in this gift in faith that you're just a very critical person at the moment, that you're just being very judgmental or very harsh but yet this is something vital that we must be open to at times. I remember a number of years ago, many, many years ago, when I was pastoring at Calvary Chapel of York and in the midst of a teaching, as I was sharing about some things regarding false teaching or whatever, I said from the pulpit that I thought that Rob Bell was a heretic. Now at that time, Rob Bell and the whole emergent church thing, I mean, he was like the hot and happening thing. I mean, he had his NUMA videos going on, everybody thought was so cool, you know, 10 minutes he's walking around kind of casually talking in a real trendy way, and, and, and I mean, he, he was not necessarily, do, but I, I said, I, I, I think the guy's a heretic. And, and let me just say, there were a few people who were not real happy after the service, not necessarily that I said that, but just that they thought that was extremely critical that I would say that of someone who was a recognized and at that time very popular and famous person among the Christian culture that that he was a heretic. But can I fast forward you a few years to 2015? Rob Bell's a heretic. He's saying heretical things now. Challenging the authenticity of New Testament Christianity and its fundamental doctrines. So, This is a vital gift, ladies and gentlemen, for the body of Christ, especially in today's day and age, because many things happen under the banner of church and Jesus or in the name of the Holy Spirit, listen, that sometimes just aren't right. They're not accurate and they're not genuinely of the Lord's spirit and they have to be identified and exposed. And this is especially important, I think, all the more to be aspired to and open to in leaders, as pastors wanting to protect the people of God, as husbands wanting to guide our families and protect them from unhealthy influences, as parents with our children, and even just as Christians who want to make sure that things do not become unhealthy in what people's spiritual beliefs are. This is an important, vital gift. Now, we need to be careful Again, we don't want to get carried away. We don't want to overanalyze everything and be overly suspicious. And we don't want to attribute everything to always just being the devil. Be careful. Just because somebody's saying something that may not set... Don't automatically just attribute it to some demon and get hardcore all the time. Because it could very well just be... It's just Again, it's their sinful flesh. It's their acting in their humanity. And they're just kind of out of step with the Spirit of the Lord. And again, the, the human nature and their humanity is kind of tainting things. So, so we need to be careful. God's purpose here is protection. In love, guarding the people of God. Protecting people from being deceived and misled and manipulated. And all that to say this, however, we need to be open in our lives as Christians and not afraid of the legitimate exercise of prophetic words. We we need to be open to these things being shared. We need this ministry among us. We don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to despise prophecies. We need these things. We just need to walk in spiritual wisdom in relation to them. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray.